Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Everybody and welcome to the very first installment of the New Faces new show with same great name of Belly Up Fantasy Live Football Stream. I'm your host Dan Mater, joined here with Adam, Chris Allen, Christie, who we're going to call Amaro and Dowhower, so I don't have to go back and forth with Chris and Chris all the time. You are watching this stream on the Belly Up Fantasy Live Twitter or Facebook page at Belly Up Fantasy. We're always there for you guys. And of course, today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. First and foremost, how is everybody doing today? Let's start with Adam down here in the corner. I'm doing great. I'm uh, excited to be on the show. Awesome. Happy to have you. Adam's been one of our up-and-coming writers, along with Lamar here to the top right, who's also been one of our up-and-coming writers for fantasy football, getting a lot of attention from both of these guys. Lamar, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Ready to talk some uh, fantasy quarterbacks. Absolutely. We're going to be getting the quarterback consistency grades. Of course, we'll talk about some current event news surrounding some of these quarterbacks and maybe some of our early expectations. Dowhauer down the corner there. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some football. Excited for the season. Yeah, the crazy thing is that it's finally March, right? So we are only a couple of weeks away. I believe it's March fifteenth. Uh, I want to say sixteenth is starts the free agency. So we have that coming up. We'll be talking about that. We have the draft, of course, at the end of April. Look, football doesn't rest. This is prime time football season. And when we do this show, obviously, we talk about it from a number of angles. We talk about it from a dynasty angle. We talk about it from a redraft angle, all the value that comes into that. So that's why fantasy football never sleeps. That's why Belly Up Fantasy Live will never sleep for you guys. And that's what we're going to get into our content for today. So like I said, there's a quarterback consistency grades. We have the top ones for you guys. And I'll throw it up on the graphic here so everybody can kind of follow along. But to start things off, we had Aaron Rodgers at the top. And as you can see there on the chart, it's head and shoulders. Now, for those of you who don't know, you can go to bellyupfantasysports.com. They'll go on the research tab. You can see the consistency grades, the scoring leaders, all the research you could possibly need is right there for you. Starters mean top 12 finishes. Non-starters mean outside the top 12, basically. That's essentially how it breaks down. We go off of 12-man leagues. That is the industry 
standard. So, fellas, let's start off with Aaron Rodgers. 81% of the time, he finished in the top 12, head and shoulders above everybody. Lamar, we'll start with you. This was a guy that was drafted in double-digit rounds. Is he somebody that you're going to take, I don't know, in the top five rounds this year? Well, definitely top five rounds because, well, he's Aaron Rodgers. He's proven. He's consistent. He's uh, the cream of the crop. You know, he's getting a little bit older, so that's one concern for sure. You know, he's not the happiest with the franchise right now after the Packers picked Jordan Love in the draft instead of, uh, you know, helping him out with maybe a receiver, running back, offensive lineman, something like that. But he's still going to be Aaron Rodgers. You know, I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. You know, I think he's, like I said, he's a little pissed off with the Packers right now, and I'm not sure if he's going to finish his career out there, but this might be a season where he's trying to make a statement. So um, looking at his receiving cores right now, he's got Lazard, he's got uh, Valdez Scaling. Not sure if Aaron Jones is going to be back. He's got Tiny, and I think he's a stud. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking at Rodgers maybe like third round, but I'm not going to reach on him in the first or second round this year. Ooh, going a little higher than I would think. Anybody else have a response to that? I mean, that's a little rich for my blood. I love Aaron Rodgers. Um, I got to see if they upgraded that receiver core you're talking about. I like Lazard, um, but I don't think that is quite enough. Jordan uh, Adams was great last year. I think he can be much better than he was last year. So I kind of look at Aaron Rodgers, wait to see what kind of pieces they put around him. Um, if they stick with Dylan as the, as the key back, he doesn't catch the ball as well as Aaron Jones does. So it could be interesting to kind of see how this year probably progresses. I mean, he's still one of my top quarterbacks but I don't think I'd take him in the first five rounds. Yeah, uh, I, I'd have to agree there. Uh, I wouldn't take him in the first five rounds. Um, I just That's not really quarterback territory for me, um, really, in most contexts. But with Aaron Rodgers, you can almost make the case just because of how consistent he was. I mean, he had one game under 18 points, and that's obviously that, that Buccaneers game. But even though those two other uh, bust games were just at 18 points, which really at a, as a starter, like that hurts, but it's you can do a lot worse than that. And not many quarterbacks can say that they only, you know, had games worse than that one time all year. No, absolutely. Here's the thing to the thing about Aaron Rodgers, though. He had 48 touchdowns last season. That was a career high. We have seen, especially over recent history, when these quarterbacks have these astronomical touchdown numbers, they inevitably come back down to earth. So to go to your guys' further point is, are they going to upgrade across from Devontae Adams? I would believe that they would, although we believed that they would last year. So that's <laughs> the year part. Before, and year before. Right. And year before that. Year before that. They'll take these third-round receivers all day, every day, but they never turn into anything, and that's kind of been the issue. We'll see what happens there. They might have more focus on the defense because the defense was a problem for them last year. If they go into that season with just Devontae Adams again as their top target and relying on Tanyan to maybe take another step up, I mean, you lose Aaron Jones, then you're fully leaning on Jamal Williams to be the catching down back because even though A.J. Dillon could be great, he's still not a guy who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield, so he's not going to help him in that sense. And while Aaron Rodgers looks like you know, he's following a long trend of quarterbacks of recent history that have been able to find ways to turn back the clock. I don't know that he's going to be able to keep up that level of production. Again, remember, we're just removed two years ago where he was falling off the face of the earth. There's a reason why he went in the double-digit rounds last year. And I think that's more of a testament to why you have to wait at quarterback. The smart move is to wait at quarterback because especially this year with some of the rookies coming in and the other guys that we're going to talk to on this list in, in a minute – there's, there's guys to get that you can go all the way with in the double-digit rounds, plain and simple. 
Let's move on, though. Talk about our next guy that we have up on the screen here for you in a minute. It's going to be Kyler Murray. Now, this is where we kind of get to the pack. Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, all roughly around the same area. And even that, I think, with Kyler Murray's case is maybe a little bit uh, deceptional because with Kyler Murray, we know that he kind of fell off the last half of the season. What do you guys think about Kyler Murray heading to next year? I mean, yeah. I, I, Go ahead. I, I love him. Um, if you look, uh, so he said that he, he got that injury in the Miami game. And before that, he was averaging 28 points a game by uh, standard. And after that, it dropped the full 10 points down to, or a little under, I think it was, I believe it was above 18, maybe 19, but still, like it was a significant drop from that injury. And he can say that that wasn't impacting him. It, it was like it very clearly to all of us was, I I would say uh, that that injury was was a problem for him. And I, I think an offseason getting healthy, obviously with a J.J. Watt signing, um, they seem to be going in the right direction on the defensive side of the ball, um, which, I mean, should help him out, start making some plays on that side of the ball, get him the ball back. Howard, what do I you mean, think? I know you have a controversial issue when it comes to Kyler Murray. Well, I'm a little bit of a Kyler. I mean, I want to say hater, but I'm not, I don't drink the Kool-Aid, let's say, to say it that way. Um, but I think for him, fantasy-wise, you're depending on the legs. And while you got some stats through the air, um, it's supposed to be an air raid offense per se, but most of the stats you got from him last year was, was legs. Yeah, when he got injured, you didn't get the same kind of production. You also got a lot of coaching changes um, and schematic changes against him, where I think teams are starting to realize, you take away that first read and you kind of blitz, it might not be the um, – and keep him in the pocket, he might not be as effective because he has a hard time seeing – in the, from the pocket. He kind of saw a similar thing to Michael Vick towards the end of his career in the Eagles, uh, where teams just started kind of blitzing up the middle. I think he kind of saw it towards the end of the season. So while the injury definitely took away some of his quickness, I also question whether or not he's going to be as productive running as teams kind of try to adjust to him. What do you think, Lamar? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with that sentiment for sure. I, I'm, I'm a person who, as you said, I, I do fall in love with the rushing production out of the quarterback slot. So when I'm comparing Kyler Murray to obviously Lamar Jackson, I, I, I would take Kyler Murray when I'm comparing the two just because Kyler Murray averages higher passing yards. He's got a better deep ball completion percentage. I personally think he's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. So if you're somebody like me who enjoys having the dual threat type of quarterback, then I would definitely pick Murray over Jackson. So I like where he's at on this list. Yeah, I mean, that's where he finished at, Finished the second in consistency, finished third overall in scoring production. So that's pretty much right where you're looking for it there. Look, when it comes to fantasy, there's, there's, that, there's that difference between the NFL and for fantasy. And we, mm-hmm. that dual threat is where all the difference comes into play here. That's why guys like Kyle Murray, Lamar Jackson, I think they might be safer picks than Aaron Rodgers. They should go higher than Aaron Rodgers next year because you know that you're going to get a certain level of consistency because of their legs. And that's where it kind of plays into that effect. Now, how high you should be going on these guys, I don't know, especially as we go through some of these other quarterbacks and thinking about the future and thinking about the rookies coming in. I don't know how much you want to do. Lamar Jackson, who's what? A second-round pick in a lot of redrafts, higher than most quarterbacks have in recent history. A lot of people would tell you, hey, you know what? Him finishing outside the top five all the way down at 10 on his overall scoring leaders, that wasn't really worth it. So while he was right up there in the high consistency group as far as top 12 finishes, he still didn't win you the games that you drafted him to. And again, it just goes back to quarterback coming and missing a hit thing. But these guys scrambling, they will give you that floor on a week-to-week basis. So as we move on 
to our next group of quarterbacks. Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes and let's lump him in with Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen and talk about the three of these guys. Now, with Patrick Mahomes, obviously, I think he actually had a down year. I my book, I haven't done my preliminary projections as of yet, but I do believe I'm going to wind up having Patrick Mahomes ranked number one just because when you actually look at his production, while Travis Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill were amazing and awesome, finishing fourth, I don't think he's going to finish fourth again. I think he's going to finish number one. 38 touchdowns, I think he gets into the 40s. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I can't disagree with you. I think that Mahomes is definitely my top quarterback going in. Um, I think that the the threshold of what he's able to do was kind of shown throughout the throughout his career so far. And what you saw kind of in college, I think you're going to see the NFL kind of consistently. I think you're going to get around 40, 45 touchdowns. Um, and I think also that's another team that might upgrade a little bit around him as well. Um, Watkins was out most of the season. They add one more piece on that, that receiving core. That he, all of a sudden, those numbers might make a considerable jump, I think. Yeah, I mean, Sammy Watkins might not be there. They're already talking about it's going to be a tr- trouble to bring him back. Uh, could be Cole Hardman, or are they going to bring in another receiver, perhaps? Anybody with a theory? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all on the table, but more so than a weapon, I, I feel like... Uh... Getting a lot of those linemen back is the, I mean, that's the key. That's why, that's why they lost the Super Bowl. But um, more than that, giving him more that time in the pocket, obviously like the highlight plays come with him running around and uh, being able to avoid pressure and make plays. But when he can sit in the pocket, that's very dangerous. Give him time. That's very dangerous. I'm getting Laurent Duvernay Tardif back. Uh, if I have no idea, is Osmele on the, the roster still for 2021? Regardless, getting a lot of those linemen back. Uh, big game changers for him, I think. I mean, do we yeah. think that involving Clyde Edwards-Alaire would be something, Lamaro? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as Adam said, I think the priority is on the offensive line. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is already the most special quarterback talent playing in the most potent offense in the league, so I don't think the the priority right now for the Chiefs oh, is really well, focused on... Hear what you said. Uh, I think, Chris, I think you're having some technical difficulties real quick. Go ahead, Lamaro. Finish your thought. W- were you guys able to hear me? I'm sorry about that. Yeah, we were able to hear oh. you. Yeah, so um, I was talking about the offensive line, I think. And, yeah, I believe the priority is going to be on the offensive line. And um, I actually lost my train of thought. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. The, the offensive line is going to be key. We saw in the Super Bowl why it was key. M- the big thing is, do they add that extra weapon, and who is that going to be? Or is Miko Harmon take that next step up? That's going to be the difference between Mahomes going from 38 to 45 touchdowns which I do think to Dauhauer's point that that's going to be something within the realm of possibility. That's why he's going to be my number one quarterback. Most likely the other two guys we want to talk about Josh Allen and uh, Deshaun Watson. They actually were both 63% of the time finishing in the top 12 crazy to think with how slow Watson started off because of everything going on in Houston with Bill O'Brien and that offense just not clicking how strong he was on top of the fact that it was without Will Fuller at the end of the season. It was with just Brandon Cooks, how good this guy is. Obviously, let's take a minute to talk about Deshaun Watson himself. Do you guys believe, and we'll start with Lamar at the top here, do you guys believe that Deshaun Watson will be a Houston Texan? And if he is, what is his fantasy value with what could be a really lack of weapons outside of them restructuring David Johnson? Right. To answer your first question, no, I do not think Deshaun Watson is going to be a Houston Texan going into the next season. 
But if he is, obviously they're really struggling on offense just talent-wise. There's not really many receivers that he can throw to. His number one receiver for most of last season was Kiki Kute. So when you're looking at an offense that's just struggling in the wide receiver department in terms of talent, you're looking at a player like Deshaun Watson, who still had a career year last year with such a you know a barren uh, wide receiver corpse. He had David Johnson, who's a pretty versatile running back, but he's aging. Uh, but So if Deshaun Watson is going to be a Houston Texan next year, I think he'll have similar production just because, you know, as um, – as Davo Sweeney said, he's the Michael Jordan of football, so he can play in any offense. But I'd like to see Watson get traded to maybe Miami where he could have more options, like a uh, like a Preston Williams maybe, and he can have more more opportunity to do well. I mean, yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, obviously more weapons would be better because I root for Watson myself. Dowhauer, do we have you back here? Yeah, I hear you guys. Okay, you cool. Me? Yeah, I hear yeah. you just fine. Uh, yeah, so what's your take on Deshaun Watson and what, what are your expectations, let's say, if he does stay in Houston? Well, I do think he stays in Houston. Um, I think that they're going to call his bluff inevitably. I don't think that he's really going to sit out a season. I think in the NFL, it's the most impossible. Um, and he saw Le'Veon Bell did to do it, but I'd be really shocked. They didn't have Le'Veon Bell locked as long-term as they had Deshaun Watson locked up. Um, so I don't think he goes anywhere. As for how he does in Houston, I think he's going to be pretty productive. I mean, it's not like he, he hasn't played without Will, Will Fuller before. Um, they did add Brandon, Brandon Cooks. I don't think Brandon Cooks is chopped, you know, chopped liver. I think he can play. Um, and you talk about Kute, he's average, but I think you can get another receiver or two. There's a couple guys, there's gonna be a couple guys available in a free agency draft and in the draft. Um, so I think there's a good chance that we see Deshaun Watson be pretty productive. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's similar to what Colin Murray did last year. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, to your point, there is, uh, last year was a great receiver class and this year's about to be a great receiver class so uh I mean this is a great time for them to uh add to that position but I I I think you're right and I think that they call his bluff and that he stays in Houston but uh to your point I would love to see him leave because I I think those stats really would skyrocket uh yeah as a as a fan of him I'd love to see him leave but I think you're right I think he stays and I think his uh his production probably stays about in line with what we saw this past year especially um, maybe that back half of the year. Yeah, because there's no reason. To, now, look, they have David Culley coming in. It's going to be a little bit of a different system. But being that he was able to accomplish what he did with the limited offensive line, the limited weapons around him, there's really no reason to think why he wouldn't be able to do that again. Now, will he have a couple of stretches here and there because his weapons fail him? Yes, but he was still, like I said, even with the slow start, still top five when it came to consistency. And to think that you're not going to have to start off the year with Bill O'Brien makes you think that, okay, you know what, Watson, who I think because if he did stay with Houston, and that's why I asked the question, if he does stay with Houston, I do think there's going to be a value on him because I think what you're going to see is that people not really want to draft him in the top eight rounds maybe even. Uh, We'll kind of have to see how that plays out, and he would be a value there because he's another dual threat guy. Obviously, I want to see him go anywhere else. (laughs) Anywhere else. I don't care where. Personally, I do think they actually wind up moving on from him. I think he is doing everything he needs to do to make this such a toxic situation that they're just going to have to. Um, I agree with you guys. Houston has all the leverage when you actually look at it from a technical standpoint, but I think he makes it so toxic that he actually does get his way out of Houston, or maybe that's just me hoping as a fan. I don't know. Josh Allen. Where is he going to go? Can he keep up? We haven't, we didn't see him be this consistent until last year when he gets Stephon Diggs. Is it he's going to be this consistent as long as he has Stephon Diggs, or did we see a mirage 
of what we think Josh Allen could be. Adam, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll admit straight up, I, I never thought I'd see this from Josh Allen. I, I thought he was a, coming out, I thought he was a project quarterback that was just not really going fin- to be a finished product. But I, I just can't I can't poke holes in him right now. I mean, he's at the end of the day, like I, I just have to admit I was wrong with him, and I, I think he's a stud, and I think he's here to stay. I mean, I agree with you, Adam, 100%. I I never thought I would have to eat crow on Josh Allen to a degree. Um, But having said that, I do think the Stefan Diggs thing helps him a lot with having to read coverage. Um, And I think consistency you're going to see will probably be there because now that he has a a good receiver that he can always kind of look for and his legs, he'll have something that each week kind of balances it out. My only concern for Josh Allen moving forward might be the use of his legs. Um, you didn't really see it a lot in the playoffs. And I kind of question a lot, of these, a lot of these players, like Carson Wentz last year, year before. You see a lot of these guys get into the second and third year, and suddenly coaches start changing how they use them. I wonder if Josh Allen starts becoming more more a pocket, quote-unquote, quarterback, and if that changes his game, a la Cam Newton. Very possible. I mean, the numbers don't lie when it comes to Josh Allen, and this is a number that, that might surprise you a little bit. Uh, the main concern when he was coming out of Wyoming was this, was passing accuracy. He was known as a guy who could throw the ball 60 yards, but he, he struggled with accuracy in college. Josh Allen last year had 45% deep ball accuracy, and I think all it took to really take Josh Allen and take him over the ledge was a number one receiver like Stephon Diggs. So I expect Stephon Diggs to have another huge year. He's somebody I'm targeting big time in fantasy in the early rounds. So that means I expect Josh Allen to have a huge year because he's going to be the one thrown on the rock. Yeah, it's tough. I'm I'm in line with Adam and Dowhauer in the I was wrong on Josh Allen, or at least I have to say I was wrong on Josh Allen for now. Uh, I, till this point, did not really believe that he could actually ever be consistent from the pocket. Um, I do think no matter what happens, kind of like Cam, he's always going to be a threat to run touchdowns in. So from a fantasy perspective, he's always going to be top seven at worst. Because he's going to have five to six, seven, maybe even more rushing touchdowns to go along with it. Stephon Diggs looks like he's found a home, and I think that's the big key for me. Is if he's just going to keep targeting Stephon Diggs twelve times over and over and over again, then the passing numbers will be there. And let's also combine it with the fact that the Buffalo team, the Bills of all teams, seemed like they had zero interest in running the football last year. Does that continue? If that continues, well, then the volume is not going anywhere. If the volume doesn't go anywhere, then Josh Allen's not going anywhere from a fantasy perspective. And I don't know that that changes. I mean, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, I don't, from as far as I understand, they're not really going anywhere. And I don't think either one of them makes you want to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands if you're Buffalo. So I don't think much changes there. So that's why I think Allen, Allen's a guy who, to me, is going to probably be in my top five. And he's going to be a guy that you're going to look to draft probably in the top six rounds. I won't because, again, I'm going to be in the double-digit rounds and take a quarterback, but he will have value in that position. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the U.K. for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21+. plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Before we move on to our next group of quarterbacks, though, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. I want you guys to know that St. Patty's Day is for pubs, not for pubes, guys. Manscaped is the global leader for below-the-waist grooming, and they sponsored this show to ensure you have the best tools for your ball trimming experience. If you plan on getting lucky this St. Paddy's, then you need to use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free international shipping. Also, I want you to know that every purchase made at manscaped.com goes towards made to the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. So you're going for a good cause. Use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. You get 20% off. You get free international shipping. And the money, the percentage of the money that you spend will go towards a great cause helping out men's cancer. So that is going on with there with Manscaped. Now we can move into our next group of quarterbacks that we're going to be talking about here. We got Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, both at 63% as well. That's the same number, by the way, for Josh Allen and for Deshaun Watson, in case you guys didn't realize. So they were right there along with them. They go seven and eight. Let's talk about Russell Wilson. He's been in the news all over the place. I can't fathom it, but does Russell Wilson wind up anywhere besides Seattle? Sorry, Lamar. I think Seahawks fan. I really hope not. No, <laughs> re- realistically, I don't think the Seahawks are going to trade Wilson. I think he shows up in camp and him and Pete hug it out. And he's, Pete says, I'm, I was never going to trade you, you know, but that's me. That's my wishful thinking. I think Russell Wilson's a Seahawk next year. But what I am concerned about is the Seahawks offensive line. Russell Wilson has a great point when he went on that. I, I forget whose podcast it was, but when he went public to complain about the Seahawks offensive line, I've been watching it for years. They, they don't protect Russell Wilson. So he has a reason to be kind of shaking things up in that front office, making them focus, uh, you know, prioritize protecting him more. Um, but Russell Wilson uh, started off the year really hot, but he really fell off in the second half of the season. His deep ball percentage really dropped off. Uh, obviously, he was getting sacked at a very high rate. So I'm a little worried about that again this year because you can't fix a, a problem that's been persisting for almost a decade now of Russell Wilson's career in Seattle in one offseason. So I do expect the Seahawks offensive line to be bad. So you got to worry about Russell Wilson's production next year. Gower. I mean, I do think it's possible that he gets traded. The only reason I think that's possible is I think I think Russ's ego has finally hit the part where he's ready to – he wants to be the man, the man. And I think I, everything I keep hearing and reading about is that's why he asked the teams that he wanted to go to. He didn't ask for great offensive lines. He asked for Chicago. He didn't ask for uh, great different personnel or great defense. He asked for Dallas. So I think when you look at kind of connect the dots – you see that he wants to be the savior, the man, the guy who kind of gets all the accolades. And I think while he's in Seattle, him and Pete Carroll don't really mix. Um, so one of them two are going to go, I think, in the next year or two. Maybe Russ doesn't go yet this year. But as for production fantasy-wise, I don't think it really changes. I mean, I think that letting Russ Cook will help. But I also think when you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you're going to be okay. And I think that you really saw a team that didn't really particularly run the ball that well in Seattle last year. 
And I think when they get that back, that deep pass comes back again. Everybody's played cover three deep. That's basically to take away the deep pass. And they couldn't run the ball, so then they weren't really worried about them offensively. I think once you get that threat again, you'll start to see Russ be able to cook, quote-unquote. Well, hold on. Let's not bury the lead. Russell Wilson has an ego. I mean, the popular media, all they talk <laughs> about is how Russell probably. Wilson's an angel child. No ego no. whatsoever. Adam, do you have anything nope. to say to that? That was a nice breakdown there by Dahar. I mean, yeah, that was a great breakdown. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad ego, but I think he's right. I think he, he wants to be the guy. I think it, he, want, he wants it to be his offense. And I think Pete Carroll... I mean, he, he's gone on the record. He wants it to be a running team, and I don't think that's what Russell Wilson wants. And I think at some point that's uh, going to come to a boiling point. It looks like it's happening right now. But, um, you know, maybe they get some pieces on the offensive line and Russell Wilson, um, you know, shrugs it off and plays there for a couple more years. But, uh, you know, waits for Pete Carroll to maybe retire or something. But I don't know. Uh as far as his fantasy production, I, I think it stays about in line. I mean, like you said, with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, it's hard to mess it up. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it goes up unless he goes somewhere else or the offensive line, <laughs> to your point, after a decade, finally fixes itself. Let's I'll think say. about this for a second. They want to be so run-oriented that they fired Brian Schottenheimer who I don't know who's more run-oriented than Brian Schottenheimer, as the offensive coordinator to get even more. Who are they going to bring in? Dreamy Ray? Like, I don't know. So that, that's where I'm just like, my mind is completely blown. They brought in Sean Walton from the Rams. No, I know. I, I, I understand. I was just being, you know, sarcastic. But yeah, I know. I it. it's, 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 it's mind-boggling. The whole, look, yes, they couldn't run the football. No, they couldn't play defense. But Seattle is playing much better football as a team when Russell Wilson is throwing the ball down the field and letting the offense be aggressive. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, no, no, we got to get more balanced and we got to get the defense playing better when, when Jamal Adams came back. I'm like, yeah, except for your offense went down the tubes. What was, what was the point? Usually, yes, usually you need balance. That was the one team that, no, you don't need balance. The balance screws you up, clearly, because clearly you can't do two things at once. You can't, you can't chew gum and walk at the same time as, as, a, as a play caller. Is clearly what the case is. So I don't know. I to to your guys' point, it's clear that Russell Wilson wants his offense. He's not going to get his offense in Seattle. Now, do they trade him? I don't know if you get a package that's going to make you feel comfortable trading away Russell Wilson, especially not this year. Which, if he stays there for a year, I think Pete Carroll's the one out the door after this season, especially if they don't make the playoffs, which is very possible because of that stacked NFC West. So I think it's gonna be, as far as fantasy value goes, Russell Wilson's the same character. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be on Seattle. He's the same character every year. He's going to light it up first half of the season, and he's going to disappear when you need him most in the fantasy playoffs. And why that happens, the play, whether it's from last year with the play call changing, wherever the case may be, it happens every single year. It's why I never draft Russell Wilson. Does, is his value top five, top six quarterback? Yeah, sure, by the end of the season. But I know that when I need him most, he doesn't seem to perform. Whatever the case of that may be. Let's let's go into somebody who does perform and wants another Super Bowl and blah, 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 blah. Mr. Tom Brady there with 63% as well. He tops seven. And here's my interesting thing or question to you guys about when it comes to Tom Brady, which is, are we going to see 
what we saw in that playoff run where the running game was working, the play action was working, he was hitting the deep balls more consistently, is that going to kick off in the beginning of the season, therefore making him potentially a top-five quarterback? Or was that just lightning in a bottle for that, and we'll see more of what we saw last year where it was a bit up and down through most of the season? Uh, Adam, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, so it seems to be the narrative of, around the, the Bruce Arians offense is that quarterbacks – need a year to get, to get into the swing of things. And Tom Brady did not need a year. To, uh, obviously, he heated up in the back half of the year and especially in the playoffs, but it, he the the narrative of him being washed at the beginning of the year was very clearly overblown. Um, I think, if anything, he's going to be better next year. Uh, it, somehow, physically, he just doesn't fall off. And it's just one of those rules. I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady at this point anymore. Like, I just don't think I can stand it to do it anymore. And I don't know. I think another year in an Arians offense, unless they like get decimated in free agency, which I really don't think is going to happen. Sure. Maybe lose Chris Godwin, but some veteran will come and I think they'll be okay. I think, yeah, I think you could realistically imagine Tom Brady being a top five quarterback next year. Or some veteran may stay in Antonio Brown. We don't know. What do you Mm -hmm. think, Dahar? I mean, like you said, I think it depends on the weapons around them. If Godwin's still back there, Antonio Brown, no Antonio Brown, I think that you saw Tom Brady hit his stride. Um, and I don't disagree that I think he can get better. I think that he missed a lot of throws early in the season that might be there. I think him and Mike Evans will get much more on the same page moving forward, especially not just in the red zone, but all over the field. Um, and I think that if they continue to be as aggressive as they are offensively, there's no reason he can't repeat if not do better than he did last year. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and give you guys the Max Kellerman cliff argument. I, I think Brady's going to do it again. <laughs> I think he's going to do it again. 347 air yards per game last year. That was tops in the league. This guy's 43 years old, but until he gives me any reason to not believe that he that he's able to produce at a high level, both in you know in the NFL and for fantasy purposes, then I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. I mean, he finished not just seventh in consistency, he finished seventh overall in scoring leaders as well. And again, that goes from being inconsistent for most of the beginning of the year. If they have a consistent run game with the play action pass, we saw how much that opens up for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and those guys. And I don't know if Godwin leaves or not. They seem to be trying to think of every way possible they can keep him. I think there's actually a good chance he stays. And I still wouldn't be surprised if Antonio Brown still stayed. And if if Antonio Brown's there at the beginning of the season with those guys, lights out. I mean, you got OJ Howard coming back along with all that. It's just, yeah. Tom Brady is going to be somebody, again, for fantasy purposes, he's ADP-wise, he's somebody who's looking at somewhere in the round 10 area. So he's going to be a value because not everyone's going to believe that he can do it again from a fantasy perspective. But we got to move it along see, here. But go ahead, Dower. I was just going to say, let's see when he doesn't have Ronald Jones breaking off his hands on all throws, too. <laughs> how that helps number. <laughs> I think that's a big reason why they keep talking about want to bring back Fournette. One of those two is going to have to go. I can't see how you'd have both of them on the roster. So I think that's a big reason why they keep talking about bringing Fournette uh, back as well, just especially since the playoff run that he had. I want to get into Dak Prescott because this is going to be a guy that we're going to talk about for a few minutes as well. 60%. I mean, this, this look, he probably is going to be the number one quarterback last year with the, with the pace that at least that he was on before he got injured. Coming back this season, I expect him to be in a Dallas uniform. We'll play this as if he'll be in a Dallas uniform. Dow, however, we haven't started with you yet. What do you think about Dak Prescott and the value that he no doubt is going to have? Because I do think people are going to be a bit hesitant to draft him too high coming off the injury just because that recency bias just seems to kick in all the time. 
I mean, I understand the bias, but I think it's not smart. Um, I think Dak Prescott is going to be a top three quarterback this year if he's in Dallas uniform. I think they're going to have an offensive line, and when he was out there, he was producing to everybody. Um, so I think that you look at that talent, you see C.D. Lamb coming up for a second year, you look at Cooper, I think that team's ready to hit, hit their stride offensively. He comes back to Dallas. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes uh, or finishes as in the top three. Um, I love that Prescott going in this year. Yeah, I mean, what's not to like, Lamar? <laughs> yeah, the guy was throwing for 400 yards a game, four touchdowns. It was nobody, nobody's business before he uh, broke his ankle last season. So if you're looking at the receiving corpse, you got Gallup, you got Cooper, you got C.D. Lamb, as Dara mentioned. Um, Dak Prescott was lighting it up, and it was devastating to see him get injured. I think he comes back, and as is the case seemingly every season for Dak Prescott, he's still trying to get paid. So I think he's going <laughs> to light it up again because he's still betting on himself, and he wins every time, and Jerry Jones just will not pay this man. So I'm I'm betting on Dak Prescott this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think I gotta echo everyone else's sentiment. I mean, those weapons are insane. Like I I gotta be upfront, I guess, on my bias here. But I I had uh, Gallup as my number one receiver in 18, and I had CD Lamb at, up there last year. I I love both of those guys, and obviously Mari Cooper's a stud. Um, they had a tight end come on, but <laughs> unfortunately, like two games uh, before he got hurt. But I mean. The weapons all across the board for him are incredible. And unless they uh, do something about the defense, he might be playing in a lot of shootouts. So I think there's a lot of value with Dak Prescott. If people are worried about the injury, maybe dropping him a little bit lower. I have no idea what, what it's going to look like for him um, for him next year. But if if the injury drops him down, I would absolutely scoop him up. Dak is the only quarterback that I will take in the top six rounds. Because – he is the guy that I have in my mind that along with the only other guy outside of Patrick Holmes that I think could finish number one. I mean, let's be serious. Could this be the greatest show on turf with those weapons? Could they be the next? I don't see why not. Between Zeke and Dak and CD Lamb and Michael Gallup and Blake Jarwin and Amari Cooper and Kellen Moore, who to me is one of the best young coordinators in the game, and he'll be the next guy to get a head coaching job, mark my words. Yeah, and let's not forget, he runs five touchdowns a year when he actually plays a full season. <laughs> let's, not, let's not throw that out the window. So the next couple of guys that I want to talk about within this segment, uh, let's, run, let's run through them a little bit here. we got Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. Let's talk about Justin Herbert first. I know he's 11, but we'll talk about him first. He's going to be the guy with the new system in place. That's the big question, Mark. Are you, are you a mirage? Are you... Baker Mayfield from the rookie season that duped everybody, or are you the real deal with a coaching change again going into your second year? Adam, we'll start with you. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's like consistency in college was like the big, big red flag. Like there were, there were other things and um, like the limitations of the Oregon offense and whatever. But the big thing was that in big games, he didn't always show up and that he was inconsistent and he did both of those things very well uh, in his rookie year. And I'm, I, well, it's kind of the same thing with Josh Allen. I just, I don't have <laughs> the the things I got him for in college. He just did really well this year, and I, I, I just got to believe that he's he's legit. Um, so yeah, I, as far as redraft goes, I, I wouldn't take him super early because he is he is a, a risk there, I guess. But in terms of dynasty, if I'm starting starting up a dynasty right now, he's 
very high on on the quarterbacks. I would think. What do you think, Dahar? Um, Adam, I'm with you. I, I haven't, I haven't similar to Josh Allen where I had to eat crow. I haven't eaten crow or Herbert yet. Um, I saw the same thing on tape. The one thing that I will say that I saw a little more impressive was the more aggressive down the field, I think, than he was in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we saw Daniel Jones and we saw Drew Locke have decent rookie years. And I'm really curious to see when teams start adjusting, does he adjust? Um, as the season kind of progressed, his numbers weren't quite there. And I think they kind of coalesced when, when Keenan Allen wasn't always open, the first read wasn't always open, Justin Herbert struggles to read a little bit. So he can push the ball down the field. That part impressed me, but I still want to see similar to Daniel Jones and some of Drew Locke. Is that consistency real, or is that more just something you got you get comfortable, and then when teams adjust to you, we'll see what you really are. Yeah, Dara, you mentioned um, adjustments, and I believe that Justin Herbert's going to see a little bit of a sophomore slump this year. Not major regression, but I think his numbers are going to scale back just a bit in his second year now that teams have more film on him. And I think, uh, as you also mentioned, outside of Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry, I think he kind of uh, lacks talented weapons in that Chargers offense. So we'll have to see if Justin Herbert's capable of putting up 31 touchdowns again. Uh, I don't think he's going to necessarily – I could still see him getting better as a passer, but I see his numbers scaling back a little bit. Yeah, you know what, Lamar? I kind of agree with you there. Hunter Henry's probably not even going to be there next year either. And we keep waiting for the Mike Williams breakout. It just never <laughs> seems to happen every single year. Two, when games it comes a year. To, two games a year. Yeah, exactly. Two games a year. Look, when it comes to Herbert, my question more is, for me to value you as a true top 10 quarterback in a fantasy perspective, he needs to start using his legs more. I mean, he used his legs in Oregon. He didn't really do it that much, especially as the year wore uh-huh. on last season. Does he do that more now that they implement maybe a little bit more read option? That's going to be my question because I'm with you. Even if he improves as a passer from a passer rating standpoint, I do think his numbers are going to regress in some degree. And if it's not even just because of the weapons or just because of Justin Herbert, it's because with Staley now as the head coach and because of the talent the Chargers do have on defense, I think their defense is going to be a lot better. I don't think they're going to lean on their offense to try to win them games so much. They're not going to be in as many shootouts. So I think that's going to play a role in his numbers decreasing. Real quick, let's talk about Jalen Hurts because now it looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles of Carson Wentz out the door, which we'll talk about him in the next segment. Uh, Dauer, we'll start with you when it comes to Hertz. It was a small sample size. Was able to be profe- uh, productive for fantasy. If he winds up being the starter all year for that team, what do you think that outlook is? Is he a guy who's going to be a top 10 consistency? Well, I'm interested to see if he becomes a starter, first and foremost. I wouldn't be shocked if they draft a quarterback. Um, but having said that, if he is the starter, I think that He's definitely somebody you want to take a shot on. Talk about legs before. Jalen Hurts runs, and he runs pretty consistently. So whether or not he can take the calls accurately or not, I think you have pretty much a Josh Allen, that maybe not last year, but the year before, um, where you didn't quite have the accuracy, but you had the legs, and you got the touchdowns before, through that. So I think Jalen Hurts is somebody that if he starts and he needs to start for the Eagles, I like his production this year. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think he said it really well. Uh, the I, I don't like him as a passer really much at all, but being a, a dual threat gives you a, a nice floor. And, you know, just being consistent at the quarterback position, especially if you're in, a, say, a super flex league, if you have Jalen Hurts at your second quarterback, you're in a fantastic spot. 
as long as he starts those 16 games, which, I mean, who knows? But, yeah, 17. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 17, going to have to get used to that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think his his running consistency will give him a very nice floor as a starter. Yeah, Adam, I agree that there's definitely concerns about his passing accuracy. I think the multiple 300-yard games he had last year filling in uh, for Carson Wentz as a starter on the Eagles, I, I kind of felt like they were a fluke. He got into a little bit of a shootout game with Kyler Murray, two pretty bad defenses. Um, but I do see, again, with my infatuation with running quarterbacks, I love to have that rushing production out of the quarterback slot who doesn't. And Jalen Hurts not only had the rushing production in terms of yards on the ground, but the volume was there as well. We, I believe we saw one game that he had 18 carries or something crazy like that. So if Jalen Hurts is going to have those Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray type of rushing games, then I could totally see him being a very useful quarterback asset in fantasy this coming year. And why not? Because even if he is the starter this year and they're looking at elsewhere, that means they're going to have no reservations about using him up on the ground. Who cares if you get hurt? You're not really our franchise. So go ahead. Yeah, we're going to run read option with you 24-7. And I will say this. I'll give him this. It was impressive that he was able to put up those kind of passing numbers with the fact that the wide receiver core for the Eagles was shot like it is every single season. Alshon Jeffrey's out the door. Deshaun Jackson's out the door. You're looking at Jalen Rager and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? I don't know. I'm I'm not not a Jalen Rager fan either. So I don't know exactly what they're going to do there. Besides that, if they don't improve that offensive line, he's going to have to run for his life on top of it. So, yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, this is a guy I think is going to hover between that top 8 and 12 range on a pretty much weekly consistent basis. We'll see if he winds up being the starter, but I do think he actually could finish there again, even though this is just based off of a small sample size. Derek Carr is probably what's really surprising. Uh, Go ahead, Dower. You can finish it off. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I was just going to say about Jalen Hurts. You talk about the offensive line. They get Lane Johnson back healthy. They get Dillard back healthy. And they also get Barrett Brooks back healthy. So that offensive line might suddenly go from being not so good to being pretty good, where I think Jalen Hurts might even have more production rushing. No, that's a fair, that's a fair point as well. All right, guys. When it comes to Derek Carr, he finishes 12th in consistency, which is mind-blowing to me. He finished 13th in scoring leaders. It was probably the ugliest top 12 finish or most boring top 12 finish, however you want to look at it, I could ever think of in my life. Uh, Lamar, let's start with you. They got rid of Tyro Williams. I guess Henry Ruggs is supposed to take a step up. I guess they'll be looking to add another wide receiver. Are you touching Derek Carr next year, even though these numbers suggest that he should be a top 12 quarterback? 
I am really not trying to touch Derek Carr next year. So if I, <laughs> I if I have to, it's going to be really late in the draft. Uh, I, I see this offense leaning very heavily on Josh Jacobs. Uh, once again, their run first offense. John Gruden loves to run the football. He he's got a, a three down back uh, in Josh Jacobs, and he has never been very high on Derek Carr. They've always kind of had issues. Uh, Derek Carr has been, you know, somewhat productive in terms of his statistics: forty one hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns, nine picks, but. He's just not. Um, he's just not a, uh, a fantasy caliber, like a high caliber fantasy quarterback in my eyes this season. I was shocked to see that he fifty six percent of the time he finished the top twelve. I never would. I yo, I would have lost a bet if you bet that with me before. You know, <laughs> I put this up, without a doubt, Adam. What do you think? I actually, I think if you got him late enough, I think he's a value. I just despite him not the being round late enough, is that <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of the draft? But so. <laughs> He is one of the, especially from a clean pocket, you know, once he gets some pressure, uh, I think his confidence is probably shot uh, from the injury however many years ago. But from a clean pocket, he is one of the better deep passers this year. And getting a full, healthy season of rugs with a real off season as a, a top-tier speed player and hopefully a very good deep threat in the NFL, I mean – I don't know. Like, I, I want to see how it's – I'd be willing to gamble with it, as I guess would I would say. It's a gamble. It's not like a, a safe pick, but I, I think I'd be willing to gamble with it. What do you think, Dahar? I got to say I'm not touching Derek Carr unless they're adding some kind of receiver <laughs> that I'm not aware of. Like, maybe Beckham goes there. Maybe they sign one of the receivers. <laughs> but not a rugs fan. He can run. That's about it. And let me I ask you this real quick. Can... Let me ask you this real quick. If they were to add Allen Robinson with Henry Ruggs, something of that nature. Because that I, would... I, I like the kid they got from uh, South Carolina Edwards last year. I think he can play. I just think they're too young at receiver for him to be too productive yet. And I think that, as everybody kind of pointed out, John Gruden has his, his affinity for quarterbacks. And that I think I'm surprised Derek Carr is still the quarterback in Oakland, to be honest. No, I'm not Oakland, sorry, Las Vegas. Um, but I think that it's only a matter of time till he finds something that catches his fancy, whether it's in the draft this year, whether it's somebody else that gets cut, whether it's Nate Peterman at some point. I think you're not going to see Derek Carr be the quarterback for the whole season for the Raiders. I was just about to say, I need me some more Nate Peterson. Before we get into the next segment, guys, I want to let you know that with Belly Up Fantasy Sports, we cover everything from fantasy sports to gambling. And when you bet with Belly Up Fantasy, you're betting with BUSR. They're a fantastic international sports book. They allow you to place bets from anywhere at any time, from horse racing to casino games, and of course, all of your favorite sports. BUSR has all the action you can want with fast, secure payouts, and for a limited time only, you can go to and click the link busr.com slash bellyupfantasy found on our website bellyupfantasysports.com or on our social media accounts at bellyupfantasy to receive a 20% sign-up bonus of up to $500. That's up to $500 of free money to begin winning now. So again, just go ahead and click the link busr.com slash bellyupfantasy today. So now we're going to be getting into our... 13-18 range. We're going to go through these names a little more quickly because we do have one more uh, stack of quarterbacks that we want to get to before we run out of time. Gardner Minshew, obviously we're not talking about Gardner Minshew. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence and what he's going to be able to do with Urban Meyer as a rookie. What do you guys think? Let's go. Let's start with the Lamar on this one. Is Trevor Lawrence... We know he's dynasty worthy, so I'm not going to take this from a dynasty standpoint. Is he redraft worthy? 
Oh, Chris, I think your mic is muted, buddy. Oh, well, that would, that would there we go. I muted it. Uh, to answer your question, no, Dan, I don't think um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be redraft worthy this year in his first year in Jacksonville. Um, that's a barren offense, to say the least. Barren wasteland, as I like to call it. You know, they have James Robinson, talented running back. I think he's going to regress this year, but it's going to be a very conservative approach, I think, from Urban Meyer. Uh, Urban Meyer has shown a history of liking to run his quarterback in college. I don't know if he's going to be um, if he's going to be as uh, as dangerous with his quarterback in the NFL. Obviously, a franchise asset compared to a guy that you're going to have for a year or two in college and then let go to the pros. So I think he's going to be more conservative with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, and I don't think he has the receiving corps to really put up uh, a spectacular rookie season in his first year. One that's good enough to warrant fantasy production. We say that, that Howard. Um, kind of disagree, to be honest. I do think I understand the the precautions or the reservations, I should say. Um, but I look at Trevor Lawrence as somebody who's going to probably be very productive with his legs right off the bat. He can run. Um, the offense might not be pass happy per se, but they have some decent weapons. You got Shark, um, you got Chenault. I expect them to sign some people. I expect them to draft some more receivers. Adam kind of hit on it before. It's a really deep receiver draft. I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Lawrence. Uh, finishes in the top 10 in the quarterbacks this year, to be honest. I think between the legs and the fact that defense isn't that great either, he's going to make quite a lot of shootouts as well. Um, I think you can see he's definitely somebody who's going to be my radar this year. Yeah, um, I'm always hesitant with rookies, but, I mean, all your points are are accurate for sure. Uh, I like Chenault, and the defense is surely not great. Uh, It could work. Um, to the point of Gardner Minshew, I want to touch on it real quick. Uh, I know Ian Rappaport on Pat McAfee was talking about how the, the 49ers are probably not going to actually move on from Garoppolo. Instead, they really want a good backup, and they've been in the talks for uh, Mariota Bridgewater. I could see a Gardner Minshew to Niners trade, and if Garoppolo, who has an extensive injury history and uh, who isn't that that great, Minshew and a Kyle Shanahan offense could be productive if we're being honest. With, if I'm being honest with myself, I mean, I, I feel like he could. Um, but to Trevor Lawrence, uh, obviously dynasty stud. And for redraft, I'd be hesitant, but I would take him as a flyer for sure. Just want to yeah. point out Mike Glenn numbers. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, true. It's, it's, true. A fair, it's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, Adam, I like what you said about Gardner Minshew. I do think that's a smart idea because – and if you guys can't tell, Adam's one of our brilliant, more uh, dynasty minds here at Belly Up Fantasy. And that's that's more the point he's getting at, is that don't bail necessarily on Gardner Minshew just yet. Kind of see where he winds up at. Even if it just stays in Jacksonville, when you have Trevor Lawrence who's coming off of a, you know, a, a surgery now, there's something to be considered there. So don't necessarily get rid of him, especially if you're in two quarterback leagues. If you're in one quarterback league, then yeah, forget it. There's no need. Mm-hmm. But if you're in two quarterback leagues, I- I'm kind of with you there on keeping holding on to Gardner Minshew to kind of see what happens to Trevor Lawrence's Ryan point. Yeah. Was that that hard? I said, Ryan Fitzpatrick part two. <laughs> I mean, why not? They pretty much play the same. They have the same beard. They have the same stash. They have the same skill set. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. Um, to Trevor Lawrence's point, real, I'll touch on it real quick is that yeah, he's going to be one of the guys that I'm looking at in the sleeper rounds that, 12 to 16 area, because I think that's where he's going to probably go, especially when you talk about from a redraft perspective, like you said, in, uh, in Dynasty, obviously, you're taking him high. Uh, 
because he has enough weapons. DJ Chark is a big enough weapon. LaVisca Chanel is a big enough weapon. James Robinson is a big enough weapon. And because of that offensive line, I do think he's going to have to run for his life a little bit. I do think in his rookie season, to your point, Lamar, you talked about being a franchise quarterback. How aggressive are you going to be? I think that's true. But what we have seen for the most part, is that they will allow the rookie quarterbacks to run because a lot of times they'll have trouble making those post reads and they just want to keep the chains moving and keep their confidence going. So they will allow them to be them. And I think we'll see Lawrence use his legs. I don't know if we'll see him use it in the goal line, so I don't know how many touchdowns he scores, but I do think we'll see him use his legs enough. Well, we are talking about a guy who should be hovering around top 12 territory. Let's talk about our next guys here. We have... Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. We'll get to the Drew Brees Saints situation. Cam Newton's probably gone. Mitchell Trubisky's kind of gone. So let's just talk about Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill real quick, back to back. Which, I mean, we'll pose it this way. Which one are you taking higher than the other in this upcoming redraft league? And we'll start with Dowhauer. I'm going Tannehill. Um, particularly at the beginning of this season, Kirk Cousins... Is one of those guys, I think, every beginning, every year for the first four to six weeks, you're wondering why you have Kirk Cousins on your team, and then you get rid of him, and somebody else benefits from having him and picks him up on the waiver wire or whatever, and next thing you know, Kirk Cousins has his three or four great greens. Um, so for me, I take Tannehill, going back to the legs, you always have to throw to the legs with Tannehill no matter what. They don't throw the ball quite as much. Similar kind of offenses both around the running games, but for me, the guy who has the legs, I'm going to stick with him. What do you think, Adam? Um, from the dynasty perspective, I 100% you're going Tano. Like that's just that. Um, I don't know. In in redraft, I almost think I would lean Cousins a little bit. Just at today, right now, I would say that because I don't know if Corey Davis is coming back. I don't know if Jonu Smith is coming back, and I don't like. I don't know what his weapons outside of Derrick Henry and AJ Brown are going to look like. And those are both like top-of-the-league, fantastic, top-tier players, but two guys is just two guys, and I don't know. Like, I I would want to see them add some more players around uh, around Ryan Tannehill before today, I would say, that I would take him and redraft over Kirk Cousins. That's a fair point. What do you think, Lamar? Yeah, I think Tannehill is definitely the safer option out of the two. Uh, he had a career year last year, 33 touchdowns, only seven picks. Uh, both are run-heavy offenses, as Dyer mentioned. Um, the Titans are going to lean heavily on Derrick Henry, but I just feel like uh, Kirk Cousins has higher potential to have those crazy three, four interception games that could just blow your whole fantasy week. So if we're looking in terms of who's a more uh, who's a more safe option, I'd definitely take Tannehill. And if we're deciding between Tannehill and Cousins, I'm going with the safe option there. Yeah, I'm with you guys because of the predictability. While both of these guys had half of their games finished in the top 12 last season, it was more predictable to know when to play Ryan Tannehill. Because if he played against a defense that was 18th or worst, he was giving you a top eight finish guaranteed. So you knew when to play him. Cousins, I have no idea when to play him. <laughs> so I, that's why I'm going to kind of stay away from a little. I, he has Justin Jefferson. He's got Adam Thielen. They cut Kyle Rudolph, so that means Irv Smith's finally going to get more play. Finally, they have Dalvin Cook. He's got all the weapons in the world. To Adam's point, we don't know exactly outside of A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry who he's going to have in Tennessee. And yet, I'm still going to take Tannehill in his legs and knowing that I know he's going to perform well in certain matchups when I'm going to want to stream him in the first place. So that, that's why I would lean Tannehill there, but they're very close, and that's why I wanted to pose that question this way. Let's dive in real quickly to the same situation. Jameis Winston, Taysom Hannett, uh, 
I was going to say Taysom Hill. <laughs> I was going to combine the two of them. Taysom Hill, Lamaro, go. It's tough, man. It's tough. That, you know, this is the perfect situation for Jameis Winston to revive his career after departing from Tampa Bay. But Taysom Hill's the guy there. Taysom Hill's been in the, you know, part of the Saints for years. Uh, he knows the system well. Sean Payton has an obsession with Taysom Hill. So I do think that Taysom Hill is going to start out being the quarterback for the Saints in the 2021 season. Adam. Yeah. Um, I don't get why Sean Payton has this thing for Taysom Hill, but you're right. He does. He is in love with Taysom Hill. And for uh, the fantasy perspective, that's a good thing for us because he's a one of the better runners uh, I've seen as a, a quarterback. And Because he runs like a fullback? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I think he would have a lot of fantasy value if he is the uh, if he is the, the quarterback that they end up going with. But I think Jameis would be better for the Saints. What do you think, Dower? I mean, I think that I think Jameis stuff is going to be the starter. Um, I think Taysom started last year mostly because it takes a little while to learn Sean Payton's offense. I think he wanted him to be successful. Versus putting the whole kind of season on with Jameis last year. And if he screwed it up, it'd be on him kind of thing. Um, so production-wise, who starts? I think we talked about legs a lot. Taysom Hill is probably the more clear-cut starter. Um, or, or probably finish better if he was a starter. Because I think the legs and he got the touchdowns. He takes all touchdowns from Camara from Camar- from all the time. Um, but I think Winston, we saw he's not throwing picks. He is throwing the ball pretty well, so it would be really interesting to see what he could do. Yeah, and you think about it this way, if they actually have a healthy Michael Thomas, and while Emmanuel Sanders is aging, it's still a decent second receiver compared to what they usually have on the other side of their number one receivers. Adam Troutman's getting better. Jared Cook's still there. Alvin Kamara's there. Whoever it's going to be is going to be really good. I think for all of those players that I just mentioned, it would be more beneficial to them that Jameis Winston would be the starter. Without a doubt. If it's Taysom Hill, I'm okay with Michael Thomas because of the target share that he had with Taysom Hill. But after that, I don't know. I mean, Alvin Kamara, he's still in the first round because you know what he can do in the ground. But he's not going to be the PPR machine that he was. He's not going to be the half-point PPR machine that he was. He's not going to be in the top five. Even even if you're in standard leagues, he wouldn't be in the top five for me, I don't believe. Because all of a sudden now, because he would have to go back and then prove that he can get more than 200 carries in the season for him to hold value. And is that going to be the case if Taysom Hill is going to be the guy? Everything that I have studied about the situation, that I have talked to about it, says to me that if Jameis Winston does come back, it looks like Jameis Winston is the starter because Sean Payton does not want to take Taysom Hill out of his gadget role. And he wants to be able to use him there. And he feels like he can't consistently use him there if he's the starting quarterback. So I do believe it would be Jameis Winston at the end of the day. And Winston would be a valuable streamer, but it would also help out everybody else who's fantasy worthy on the New Orleans Saints as as, as well. Let's We'll dive into the next segment in one second just after... We talked about Manscaped one more time. Now, guys, it's the month of March. And you're in luck. Oh, no. Yeah, you're in luck because it's the month of March. Manscaped being the global leader that it is, below the waist belt, they're here to tell you something. They're here to tell you that no girl at the club, when you're going out for St. Patty's Day, wants to smell you. They don't want to smell you. So get the cologne from manscaped.com by using the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free international shipping. 
So that way you can go to the club and feel great, smell great, and have the confidence you need to walk up to that girl on St. Patty's Day. And I have to tell you, that is probably one of the best tidbits you're going to get out of this show in general, to be honest. So let's move on here. We could talking about quarterbacks 19 through 24. We have others on the list. I'm actually going to talk about a quarterback that's not on this list first. That was Joe Burrow. He finished 25th in consistency. Obviously a little bit skewed. He had injured. He didn't have a chance to really uh, do much. What's Joe Burrow going to be like? Well, I guess, first of all, right now, it sounds like he actually has a legitimate shot to start up week one. That sounds like it actually is in the card, which is shocking because he got hurt, you know, halfway through the year with the ACL injury, but it does sound like he has a possibility to suit up week one. So let's assume that he does, in fact, suit up week one. Where's Joe Burrow going to be? Are going to be the pass heavy offense that they were under him again with the shootouts? Does he, is he a guy who is a streamer? Or is he a top 12 guy? Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Um, uh, I'm going to start it off by saying I think at best he's a streamer. Uh, I, I think I, I think his value comes from volume and comes from his legs. Obviously, with that injury, the legs scare me. And right. I don't know. I mean, I'm his offensive line. Like, I wouldn't knock the Bengals for drafting seven. And <laughs> I. I don't know. There's just so many questions with weapons outside of uh, Higgins and the, their their slot receiver, and I don't know. They're I'm not sold on him in general, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think he has the I don't think he has the upside to go to really draft him very high at all. Okay, let me ask you this real quick from a dynasty perspective: Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or Joe Burrow? Um, are you asking for an order or for just one? J- just, just, just one. Does Joe Burrow go ahead of any of those guys that I mentioned? Maybe ahead of Trey Lance. Okay, so that's what I'm trying to gauge where you're at on that. So you're there are four rookie quarterbacks that are expected out of five that are expected in the first round of this NFL draft that you're going to take in a dynasty league in a startup, let's say, over Joe Burrow. Yeah, probably. I, I think I would take the chance. I don't. The Bengals, as an organization, I'm um, doing this from my apartment room in Cincinnati. Uh, Bengals, as an organization, I don't trust at all. And Joe Burrow is, I, I think he was a great college quarterback, and I think he's going to be a good pro, but I don't know if he'll ever be a great pro. And really the one, like I said, fantasy-wise, I think it was volume, and I think it was it his legs. And if you lose the legs, I'm out. I'm just, I'm out. What do you think, Dowhauer? I mean, I can't disagree. I'm, I still want to see what Joe Burrow becomes. I think that he was impressive. For me, I'd probably take the shot on him just because I see what kind of Jared Goff did in his second year under McVay. Um, and I kind of expect that Burrow can at least do that. Um, I, maybe not the same weapons that he had quite had, but I don't think, well, you're talking about Boyd before the slot receiver and Higgins. I don't think they're not going to add somebody else either. Um, and I think that that team has a chance that if they are offensive linemen or two or even three, uh, um, I think you could see that with Mixon healthy the whole year, Cincinnati offense might be a pretty pretty consi- uh, consistent, if not one of the better offenses that we've seen. Um, like I said, I look at the Rams as a really kind of a blueprint of what we might see in Cincinnati this year. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Not last year's Ravens, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Lamar? Yeah, I would have expected uh, Burrow to come back to earth in terms of his production without the ACL injury. So you're talking about coming back in your sophomore season after an ACL injury, playing for a Bengals team with no offensive line, and as Adam mentioned, really no uh, receiving threats outside of Higgins, in my opinion. So um, I'm expecting Joe Burrow to be nothing more than a streamer as well. Uh, I'm not super high on him this year. I do expect him to come back and be more than a serviceable quarterback, but not nearly uh, not nearly producing at the level he did in, in his rookie campaign prior to that injury. Yeah, it's tough. I was not a Joe Burrow fan when he was first coming out. And then I went through the draft process, and I watched film, and I watched the combine, and I watched the first few games with Cincinnati. And I have to say I came out thoroughly impressed. The I came out impressed with Mo. It's not his, his physical skill set. It was his mental capacity. First of all, this is a guy who's going to be able to read defenses without a doubt very, very quickly. And this is a guy who, no matter what he has in front of him, I'm not worried about him getting gun shy. He's going to stay aggressive. So because of those reasons, I think from a dynasty perspective, to me, I would, Adam, the question I asked you earlier, I take Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson ahead of him. After that, I'm taking Joe Burrow. I would take him over Justin Fields, over Mac Jones, over Trey Lance, over Kyle Trask, whoever else they want to throw out there. I believe Joe Burrow, especially in this offense, if Zach Taylor gets to keep his job past this season, and that will be a question in and of itself. But if he gets to keep this job past this season, I think they're going to allow this offense to develop in what it can possibly be. Do they need offensive line help? Yeah, 100%. But again, going back to the defense, they're going to be in shootouts. And I think the big key is having a healthy Joe Mixon for more than six games. And maybe, you know, this year, if he's not going to play the rest of the year, just tell us he's not going to play the rest of the year. I had I, not to, I just want to go on a little tangent real quick. I had Joe Mixon, and it was driving me nuts. I'm like, can I trade him? Can I put him in the IR? Can I move on from this guy? No, 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 no. Zach Taylor, for a second year in a row, wants to bone me and just not tell me <laughs> the guy's not going to play. He did it with A.J. Green the year before, and he did it with Joe Mixon last year. And I was like, just, 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 just tell me he's not going to play. But anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> Four more quarterbacks that I do want to get to before we close out today's show. Let's let's start with Matthew Stafford. He was 28th consistent, so you could throw that out the window. The, Detroit, the Lions were a catastrophe. Matt Patricia is a moron. Let's look at <laughs> Matthew Stafford from a going to the Rams perspective. And let's, let's do it from the – I think they're going to add somebody, but let's do it from the case of he's got Cooper Cup, he's got Robert Woods, he's got Cam Akers. Dow Howard, we'll start with you. What do you think about Matthew Stafford next season? If he's healthy, I love Matthew Stafford next year. Um, you, you can add Tyler Higby to that whole mix. I yeah. think that those weapons fit him to a T. I think they do get somebody else to kind of help stretch the field. 
Um, there's a lot of rumors Marvin Jones might be that guy, but I think that you're going to see uh, Matthew Stafford really excel in that offense. And I talked about Jared Goff's numbers in his second or third year. I think that you're going to see Matthew Stafford put up the numbers um, we saw about three or four years ago with Matt Stafford, where he kind of hit his prime um, and we were kind of waiting for. I think now we're going to see that kind of return to those numbers where you're getting like 35, 40 touchdown possibility. What do you think, Lamar? Yeah, I have to agree with Downer there for sure. I mean, te- I mean, uh, Stafford's definitely out of his prime. I think he's 32, 33 years old at this point. But um, Sean McVay's a guru. He's got great receivers. He's, he's in a great offense. What you see is what you get with Stafford at this point. You know, he's a gunslinger. Um, I believe he's going to do really well. And I believe even even though Goff's a lot younger at this point in both their careers, I think they're very similar players production-wise. So you're placing uh, a quarterback who I believe is on the same tier as Jared Goff, right, in the same offense. I think he's going to do relatively well. Not like top-tier quarterback, but I think he's going to do well. I, I'm big on Stafford. I, I think he will excel in McVay's offense. I, I also was going to add a Higby there. I think uh, I'm. we'll have a tight end episode, I'm sure, or uh, at least speak on that at some point. But I think Higby could be a very good value-adding Stafford. And, I mean... We forget that just not this past season, but the season before, before that injury, he was like, I think that was the best football he's ever played. He was lights out. And I I don't know, like if he can play like that in a McVay offense, look out. He is someone who, if I can get later in a draft, I will absolutely take the upside on that. Yeah. Stafford 100% is going to be on on the top sleeper list. I I don't think there's any question about that. Look, my question last year, especially the beginning of the year, I was like, is Matthew Stafford done? And all of a sudden, you see them finally go to Bevel. And I was like, no, 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 no. He still can launch it out of a cannon anytime he wants to, from any arm angle that he wants to. What happens when he actually goes to a real offensive mind who's not, you know, dicking around in the first four games, the first five games, first six games, when he has guys un- who healthy wide receivers, not like a hurt Kenny, Kenny Galladay, not a Marvin Jones, which I don't know where his head was at the first eight weeks of the season. Like that that's what I'm looking at. You got a Robert Woods, a Cooper Cup. Guys, by the way, we're gonna be pissed off. The Rams offense, especially McVeigh, are going to have a chip on their shoulder after the way they performed last season because it was down years for all of them across the board. And Cooper Cup in particular has something he has to prove because Van Jefferson is breathing down his neck because that is the role Van Jefferson will play if he ever takes over. You add that with a Matthew Stafford who can actually hit these guys down the field in stride more than eight yards down line scrimmage, on like Jared Goff, then, yeah, Matthew Stafford's going to shine in this offense, and now especially since you've established that you have Cam Akers in the play action. Let's talk about Carson Wentz moving to the Indianapolis Colts. What does that mean? What does that do? Let's start with Adam because I love the facial expression he just gave there. Let's start with Adam on that one. Yeah, so I'm a Colts fan, and I am absolutely terrified. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to get out of Carson Wentz, to, to be honest with you. Um, if you can get him in literally the last round, it could be worth the gamble, but otherwise I, I wouldn't touch him. Like, uh, First of all, the Colts, for him to be someone who fantasy-wise is someone I would want, uh, need to add another weapon. Uh, you got Pittman. You might have Paris Campbell uh, for a couple games. Uh, I hope that he could stay healthy, but if not, then you know that doesn't really help. And then outside of that, T.Y. Hilton's a free agent, and the depth chart past Pittman, Campbell, T.Y. Hilton in terms of receiving talent isn't great. Uh, you know, there's some great blockers and some great possession receivers, but not 
someone who's going to make a, a big difference. What do you think, Lamar? Yeah, I'm not touching Carson Wentz with a 48-foot pole this year. And hear me out. It's not because I think he's going to be terrible in Indy, but I just think it's going to be a very run-heavy conservative offense. They're going to try and limit his turnovers. Obviously, he was a turnover machine in Philly last year. That's one of the main reasons they let him go is he can't stop turning the ball over. So trying to you know rework his career in Indianapolis, I think they're going to lean heavily on Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, I believe they have Marlon Mack coming back if he's still under contract coming off that injury. But I expect them to lean heavily on the run game. So even even though I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be a disaster in India, I think he'll have he'll be a serviceable quarterback for the Colts. And I think he's actually a step up, or he can be a step up from Phillip Rivers last year. But we're going to have to wait and see. So I'm not taking him in any fantasy format, though. Okay. Hmm. Oh, we got Dow Howard. He just came back after a little uh, mishap there. Hey, Dow Howard. There he is. What's your What's your take on Carson Wentz? I was going to say, I listened to these guys. Um, everybody seems kind of nervous about Carson Wentz. I'm not nearly as nervous. I think that you're going to – Frank Reich's back. That's all you have to say. I mean, when we look at Carson Wentz, look at the Eagles' offense in general. When Frank Reich was there, they scored touchdowns. Their offense was productive. When he left, that offense wasn't the same. Um, I think Carson Wentz is going to have something to prove about a chip on their shoulder, chip on their shoulder. And that Colts team is built perfectly for him. you got a good running game. Get a good offensive line. You have a decent defense. You play on um, play on the turf. I think they get him a weapon or two. I think he's going to be right back to where Carson Wentz used to. It was a couple weeks, a couple years ago, about two years ago, with Boston Scott and Greg Lewis. So I mean, I think he has a really good chance to do way better than that. I think the defense is actually something that not, not a lot of fantasy experts are going to talk about as far as fantasy value goes. But I think it's important. Because he's not going to go in there like he had to last year at the Philadelphia Eagles and feel like he has to win the game on every single throw. And that's what I saw. I saw a quarterback trying to press. I saw a quarterback who was trying to win the game every time he dropped back to pass. And frankly, I've seen a Carson Wentz who's missed Frank Reich ever since he left. When Frank Reich was there, he made the reads very, very simple for Wentz at the pre-snap. That's what you have to do. And you have to have a good play-action team. That's what you have to have. You're going to have that with the Indianapolis Colts. I'm big on Carson Wentz. He's going to be one of he's he is right there with Matthew Stafford in my book when it comes to sleeper quarterbacks that I'm looking at from a redraft perspective. And Adam, I'll let you comment on this real quick because I'll touch on Dynasty. I'm bullish going after buying low on Carson Wentz while I have the chance in Dynasty right now. Yes, I, I do think that is a is a good move. Uh, buying if you can get a cheap Carson Wentz in Dynasty, I think it is worth it because if he does hit then I mean, he's what, 28, somewhere in there? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a, if he ends up being the franchise guy for a competent franchise with a good offensive line, I mean, that's five, six, seven years of good production, even if that's your second quarterback, if you can get him for cheap enough, that's incredibly worth it. And he's probably not going to go for any more than a third or fourth round pick in your rookie drafts. Let's move in here to the Old man himself, Mr. Big Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, sounds like he's going to still be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Who knows what his contract's going to be from a fantasy perspective? We don't care. So the question is, what kind of weapons is he going to have? What is he going to be able to do? Is he going to be able to come back from that injury? Is he going to be able to be more productive? This guy had more pass attempts than anybody in the league. And yet you can see here 20th inconsistency. I mean, it was terrible because it was all five-yard passes. Does that change this season? Does Roethlisberger be, return to a guy who historically was somewhere between the 10 and 15 range, Lamar? 
This is a tough one. I, I don't think he does next season. I don't think he does. Uh, the loss of Pouncey is going to be huge. Um, I don't think the offensive line is going to be nearly as stable. I mean, obviously, he has great young weapons at receiver. Um, Juju Smith-Suchard took a step back, but Deontay Johnson, obviously, is a stud. He's got plenty of weapons. Uh, I just think with um, looking at how Ben ended his season last year in that playoff game, the four interceptions, you're starting to see the flaws in this game. You're starting to see the arm strength going a little bit. And I think with the, the little bit of a depleted offensive line, you're going to see a bit of regression in his numbers. So I'm not having much trust in Roethlisberger this season. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it. He had the volume. Like, that is the volume to be – if you're going to be a quarterback that is not running, like, pretty much at all, like, at his age now. I mean, we can talk about 10, 13 years ago he could a little bit. But at this point, he's not going to. So to just be a pocket passer – to have that volume and still not be able to capitalize, I'd be very concerned, especially because, like you said, he's got weapons, maybe not uh, top, top-tier ones, but certainly more than a lot of other guys have had the, the chance to have. I mean, maybe the with the offensive coordinator switch, um, something can change, but I don't think unless that offensive line gets fixed, you can see him go down the field at all, and I don't think that that's a, a one-off season fix. Yeah, what do you say, Dower? I'm probably going to play contrarian here. Um, I think that we had a lot of discussions about Aaron Rodgers being done going into last year. A lot of people thinking he didn't have any more. I think Ben I think Ben was hurt. I don't think it's his arm. I think it was his lower body. I think he could step into his throws. I think that's why they went shotgun as much as they did throughout the last, last half of the season. Um, the volume was there. But as Dan pointed out, it was all five-yard passes. You can throw five-yard passes all day long. You're not going to get enough volume for that. Or to matter. I think Ben's going to push the ball down the field. I think he's going to have something to prove. I think this whole offseason is really going to motivate him more than you've probably seen it for a while for Ben. And I wouldn't be shocked if he makes people eat it at the end of the season. The motivation is going to be key because otherwise, Roethlisberger has always been one of those guys where it's like, who knows what kind of shape he's going to wind up in. So to your point, if he comes in motivated, it's a totally different story. And also the offensive line will be key as well. Not just talking about for protection for Roethlisberger, but that offensive line has got to give them a semblance of a running game. If they go back to having no running game where they have to go back to quick passes again, there's a real chance that what we saw last year could repeat itself if it comes down to that. I'm leaning more towards, especially from a fantasy perspective, just staying away from Roethlisberger. I don't see myself drafting him. You know, Obviously, if the circumstances are right, we could talk about streaming him, and he's somebody I think will be on the waiver wire for the most part. But I'm more towards the idea of I don't think they fix that offensive line. I think if they let go of James Conner, that would be a mistake because I know they have this impression that they have running backs on their roster, and I'm telling you right now, they don't. Anthony McFarland's a bum. Benny Snell's a bum. Jalen Samuels is a bum. So I don't think that changes itself. And because of all that, I would probably stay away from Ben Roethlisberger. The last guy that I want to talk about in today's show is Matt Ryan. Coming into this year, it looks like he's going to have Julio Jones, slow Calvin Ridley, Arthur Smith taking over as the head coach. What do we think Matt Ryan is going to do? This is not typically a guy who finishes 19th in consistency. This is usually a top 12 guy. And I'll look up his scoring leader stats real quick, right? And he was he, he was 12th when it came to overall scoring. But we know he's pretty much, I want to say, I don't know, maybe three-fourths, two-thirds of the final half of the season. He was pretty, pretty much terrible, one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks. Does that change under Arthur Smith? And what kind of offense do you think we're going to see them in? Uh, we'll start with Lamar. I could see 
I see Matt Ryan being a middle of the tier quarterback again this year. Um, last year, obviously, numbers were down second half of the year, but still averaged over 320 air yards a game. He's got Julio Jones back, like you mentioned, Calvin Ridley. He has enough studs and is enough receiving studs to really uh, still put up numbers in the league. So I, I think he is a serviceable quarterback option, just not uh, somebody that you're looking at in that top 15 range, more of a top 20 guy, I think, floating anywhere between 15 and 20. So I'm not super high on Matt Ryan this year, but I still think he's got enough left in the tank to – be a solid streaming option some weeks for you, just not somebody that you want to rely on week in and week out. What do you think, Howard? I mean, I think the key is Julio. Julio plays Matt Ryan's good. If Julio doesn't play, Matt Ryan's not so good. I mean, that's pretty much how it seems to add up. If you got, if I have Julio for 12 games, I'll take Matt Ryan. If I don't have Julio for, I'm not sure, I don't bank on having Julio for 12 games, then I'm not taking Matt Ryan. <laughs> Simplified answer, but true. Uh, <laughs> Adam, what do you think? I, I would I would argue a different key here. I, I think it's all about what happens at running back for uh, the Falcons this offseason. And I say that because of what we saw with Arthur, Arthur Smith in Tennessee. They live off that play action. And maybe that changes with him not having Tannehill. But if, if they can get some semblance of like a real running game going and can and can use that, that play action like he's he's done uh, with Tannehill in Tennessee. I think he could absolutely at least be a um, someone you can look to as your quarterback two in a super flex or as a, a bench quarterback or a great uh, flyer. Adam, I'm glad you brought that up because to me, that's the key for Matt Ryan. It's it's the play action passing with Arthur Smith, but not to the point that you brought it up as in my thing is more, I think Matt Ryan as an NFL quarterback might play some of his best play ever under Arthur Smith. But from a fantasy standpoint, I question, because I question how much volume it's going to be. If they get the running back that they want, and they get the running game that they want, Matt Ryan might have career lows and pass attempts. So while he might be playing more efficiently off of play action, I do wonder how does that translate, or is it so efficient because of the Arthur Smith offense, because you have guys like Julio Jones and Calvin Lee to throw to when you are throwing the football, that he's able to catapult himself back into that area. What I will say is after out, outside of last year, Matt Ryan's a guy who consistently finished in the top 12. So it's hard for me to write him off. It's hard for me not to think of him as a value when you're looking at quarterbacks in the 14, 15, 16th round because I think there is a real shot that Matt Ryan's going to be one of these guys that is borderline, are you going to get drafted? And that and that's going to be hard for me to pass on him in that range because he has a whole career of consistency and... I think pretty much a wet blanket would be more creative than Dirk Cutter was last year calling plays. So I have to lean towards, I believe, Matt Ryan being okay next year. I just question where's the volume going to be, and I think there's going to be something interesting to watch. That's going to do it for today's show. Uh, personally, I think this was a great show, and being on with the first time with the four, three of you uh, was absolutely tremendous. You guys, we're going to be back uh, two weeks from now. We'll be talking about the running back consistency grades, and we'll do that for the wide receivers and then the tight ends two weeks, and then it's perfect timing because that week, that one episode in between after the tight ends will be right before the draft, so we'll be able to talk about some draft stuff heading into there. So that's kind of the lineup that you guys will see from us every two weeks, Tuesday, 8.30, Belly Up Fantasy Live. Uh, Lamaro, tell everybody where they can find you at, where they can follow along, and maybe something you're working on next for everybody to look forward to. So you can find me uh, on Twitter at BellyUpChris1. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, same, BellyUpChris1. 
And what I'm working on right now, I'm working on a uh, I'm working on a Nick Speed article. So nothing really to do with uh, fantasy football at the moment, but I'm working on a Nick Speed article. So you can check that out at bellyupsports.com. And I'm sure I'll have some fantasy content out as well. Yeah, you bet you will. <laughs> Adam, Adam, where can they find you at? What are you working on? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, find me at, at LaRueAdam, uh, L-H-E-U-R-E-U-X, Adam. And I will have my landing spots for receivers out this week, I believe. Absolutely tremendous. We're looking forward to that one. Chris D., you're Mr. Anti-Social Media, but you do have some areas we can follow you at. Where, where, where can we find you? And you can tell everybody you know, what show you're going to be on next, possibly on March 19th. Well, hopefully you're joining you, our wonderful host here, Mr. Mater, um, on his fantasy sports show. I think that we're going to be talking about some of the draft coming up. So I'm super excited to be doing that. Um, and I can't wait to work with you guys this season. Absolutely. And it was great to have you on here. And of course, you can always follow me at BellyUpMDFFShow. Our show, MD's Fantasy Football Show, will be back March 19th. It will be the free agency fantasy impact for that episode, along with a little draft as we go through that process all the way from April, uh, late April, actually, to the very beginning of May. We will be back also on Saturday, the DC's DFS Challenge Show. Myself, Chris D. here below me, and of course, always Chaz Filardi and Mikey Betts as we talk about NBA DFS, talk about some bets on Sunday for help you guys win some money. We're always going to be around here. Make sure following us at Belly Up Fantasy for all the great fantasy football content and gambling content, everything around that you could possibly think of. Hoops will be back next week, so make sure you check them out as well. We'll all be talking to you real soon. Everybody stay safe, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.